Welcome back to the Big Sky Podcast Number Power Rankings presented by Tubbs at the Club, which means presented by Snake River Stampede Canadian Whiskey. I'm your host, Brian Marceau. Look, this week, guys, things are different. We're still going to acknowledge the existence of the Power Rankings 12 through 1 in the Big Sky Conference, voted on by Big Sky Podcast Number contributors, guys like me, Dallas Hammer from Tubbs at the Club, Brent Wahlberg from, from uh, Grizz Fan, Ryan Thornburg from R&R. We also have local beat big sky area beat reporters who vote as well guys like Coulter Nuanez who covers Montana Montana State and Idaho out of Skyline Sports and ESPN Missoula uh, we've got Trevin P- guys like Trevin Pixley covering University of Idaho then we also have a handful of guys who we just know reliably follow, follow the conference that makes our voting the average of those votes is what we do 12 through 1 but tonight specifically we're going to spend way more time. By the way, Kevin Marshall saying Marceau after dark. Damn right, man. So here's the thing. I used to do these at night exclusively. Then I started doing, in the, doing them in the day. Uh, but Tubbs recorded our instant reaction to Idaho's 31-29 loss at Weber State earlier. Spoiler alert for when we talk about Idaho. So I'm back on at night for this episode. And look, the last few uh, power rankings episodes we do, we're not really going to fret too much about the power rankings themselves. Hey, Patty Firks, I see a howdy, howdy there. Good to see you there. McLean Westbrook saying Bengals 28-24. Oh, McLean, we, we will get there, my man. But this week, look, there's only one week of regular season football left. So the big, big question for each team really is playoff implications, whether – you're a team that's playing for a playoff seed, playing for your playoff life, or you're potentially a playoff spoiler. Or if a win this week might turn a win or a loss against your team into a over 500 win or a sub 500 sub 500 loss, that's what we're going to hit on for each team with a what much more focus on our top five teams, not Portland State top five. And a discussion when we get into the seeding discussion, because again, another spoiler alert, there's three teams in the big sky competing for a seed, but there's other teams nationally who we can look at seeding wise. We're going to do a breakdown of essentially the top 12 teams in the nation. And what if you're a Vandal fan, who you need to hope wins or loses, or if you're a Montana State Bobcat, if who you would be paying attention to that could take a seed that you're hoping for. So it's a huge playoff focus. It's much more nationally focused in the second half of the episode than is typical. But uh, look, without further ado, uh, we're gonna ha- we're gonna jump into our and we're talking tears again because why in God's name would we not talk about tears this late? So hey, we have Northern Colorado and Cal Poly as <clears throat> number twelve and number eleven. Northern Colorado was murdered uh, at Northern Arizona, twenty-eight to seven. Uh, the big thing is, is Ed, Ed Lamb is letting Shea Kuykendall uh, start at quarterback, uh, freshman. Dude passed for 177 yards against Northern Arizona. So uh, congrats to congrats to Shea, but still, I mean, uh, Northern Colorado scored seven points. So nothing else to talk about Northern Colorado. Uh, Cal Poly, Cal Poly uh, was surprisingly tight with Sac State, losing 41 to 30. The story here is. Sam Heward goes 37-58 for 483 yards, two touchdowns, and two picks. That's the Cal Poly end, uh, but hey, Cal Poly gave up 41 points, and in spite of having their one of their best offensive outings of the year, the Mustangs still surrendered 538 points and turned the ball over twice, so they lose moving on from that tier. Uh, <clears throat> tier three, we had, we had Eastern Washington getting murdered at Montana State 57-14, and look, Every team we've talked about so far, Northern Northern Colorado, uh, Cal Poly, Eastern Washington, they're all going to finish under 500 on the year. So no matter what a loss, if your team lost to one of these teams, you have a bad loss. But none of the top teams in the conference at, that we were talking about yet have losses to to any of these three teams. Uh, we'll get to Davis and their the Eastern implications later. Um, Idaho State. Man, the Bengals hung tough with UC Davis in the Hawkins Bowl, but go down 21-14. Jordan Cook uh, passed for 297 yards on the game uh, for for Idaho State, but also threw two picks. Hunter Hayes chips in 6-10 for 36 yards and a touchdown. Uh, yeah, I, I don't have any big takeaways on the 
Idaho State end, other than uh, they were hapless against the run, which is kind of the Idaho State thing uh, on the season. Uh, rush defense, Idaho State is number 10 in the conference, uh, giving up 5.1 yards per rush on the season, almost surrendering roughly 200 yards per Big Sky game. So uh, that's, again, like, hey, Idaho State has been a fun story this year. They're going to continue to be a fun story. I don't mean to write them off, but for playoff purposes, a loss to Idaho State is a bad loss. And uh, the only way Idaho State can impact the playoffs at all is giving University of Idaho a bad loss this week, which we'll talk about more on the Idaho and. Uh, hey, Patty Furks, uh, jumping the jumping the gun a little bit, saying Sac State's having big locker room issues. Oh, we'll we'll get there, my man. Uh, and then Larison is a game changer for Davis. And hey, when we get to the Davis end, promise we'll hit that, Patty. But you're 100 percent right, 100 percent right, right uh, to continue moving through the the middle mid tier, uh, mid level of the conference. Uh, we've got. Portland State, Portland State, our top five Vikings are murdered by Montana, 34 to 10. Uh, look, on the season, Portland State now cannot finish above 500. So uh, their ability to impact the playoffs is essentially done. Their route to impacting the playoffs would have been finishing over 500 on the season, which they cannot. Five and six is the ceiling for the Vikings. Uh, then finally, Northern Arizona. Uh, well, we already talked about Northern Arizona for a moment. They annihilated Northern Colorado 28 to seven. Still, uh, still the quarterback at Northern Arizona, exclusively the uh, province of freshmen. Uh, Angel Flores is the guy running the show now, went 18 to 22 for 167 yards and a touchdown. But look, Northern Arizona will finish the season underwater uh, schedule wise. So, uh, Northern Arizona will not be a they won't be a good loss uh, for for Montana. That's the implication implication for Montana. They will also not be a good win for Montana State. Idaho did not play them. Uh, they will not be a good win for Sacramento State. Moving on from talking about Northern Arizona, we can now get into the tiers that uh, they can they can impact play the playoff proceedings a little bit. Uh, by by the way, Patty's saying I saw some real poor effort from PSU. Um, yeah, uh, PSU, they, they, Patty, to just talk about that tier three, I just want to say the, those teams are all completely up and down, uh, whether it's your matchup that you're dependent on or whether it's just week by week buy-in. That's why those teams have been all over the place this season. So what you said about Portland State in different ways, just it applies to all the teams. Like, hey, McLean Westbrook saying, I'm just happy to be here. Uh, talking about ISU. I'm assuming talking about ISU. Maybe you're happy to be at the podcast, the Big Sky Podcast Network Power Rankings. We're happy to have you. Uh, but look, that's that third tier. That's why we're blown th through there. Uh, tier two, teams that can uh, impact the playoff race. Well, hey, Weber State impacted the playoff race uh, for sure uh, this week. Unequivocally, that 31 the 31-29 win for the Wildcats over Idaho um, completely blew up the Vandals' hopes of a two-seed. Uh, and we'll talk about the Idaho end later. But big news for Weebers. Look, on the season, the Wildcats are 5-5, five and 4-5 five, and five against um, FCS, you know, D1 opponents. But with a win, if, if Weber State pulls off a win this week at Cal Poly, which they absolutely should, uh, Weber State finishing above 500 overall, 500 versus FCSA. Maybe that that could pump up the win for for Montana State, who beat the Wildcats 40 to zero earlier in the season. Uh, and if you know if you're a Vandal, you need to hope Weber State for a fact picks up a win, just so that loss looks a little bit less bad. Um, Weber State did not play Montana, uh, but they. They uh, again, that's uh, you know, we get to UC Davis. Um, if Weber State picks up wins above 500, maybe that is a that's thought of as a good win for UC Davis. Um, could be thought also that like, well, we're not going to talk about the Missouri Valley until we get later until we get into the second half of the show. But Weber has a win over Northern Iowa. But look, the big deal, Patty Furks already said it. Weber State is a different team with, with Richie Munoz starting, yeah, over the last three games. Uh, Weber State is still is averaging almost just under 30 points per game, which a 30 points per game as your if that was your team's average in the big sky season, that would put you right now as the number five scoring offense in the big sky season just below Idaho, just above just above or tied with Sacramento State. Uh, that's really that's kind of been the issue for Weber State. Uh, you know, the entire year was early. They couldn't 
they couldn't move the ball whatsoever. Well, hey, that's not the case anymore. Uh, Richie Munoz, true freshman, uh, really, man. He So he only got 18 pass attempts against Idaho, uh, but he made the most of those pass attempts. Munoz on the day, 10 of 18, 152 yards and a touchdown. We also had another long pass set up a very short touchdown run. And Chris Jackson had 16 rushes for 84 yards and two touchdowns as well. Uh, and Weaver state wins turnover battle forces to two fumbles. I Idaho forces, no turnovers out of Weaver. So, Hey, just hit the playoff implications. If Weaver can stay over 500, that could be thought of as a, you know, potentially a, a okay to good win on the resume, Montana state. And you got to hope if you're Idaho, that being Weaver being over 500 is less of a demerit in the loss column. So losing to a team that finished above 500 by two is viewed by the committee as, you know, a loss is suck, but not a bad loss. So now, like UC Davis uh, there, which Patty Furks already jumped in talking Davis and he was right to you. We look, Weber state is not going to be in the playoffs. There, there are chances to hurt or help other big sky teams, resumes, UC Davis that look, they play Sacramento state final week of the season. And like that, the Causeway classic, which is going to be at Davis is potentially a de facto playoff game hey mclean westbrook saying happy to be in the podcast happier to not be at the very bottom of the big sky hell yeah dude like co-signed on both accounts my man so davis look patty first brought up that land larison is back that team is different with land larison larison might be look if he's not the best running back in the conference he's either first second or third uh just depending on what you happen to value overall uh, on for, with what your individual back does, but against uh, against Idaho State, Land Larison carried the day for Davis in that 21-14 win. Larison, uh, 31 carries for 264 yards and three touchdowns. If that's not Big Sky Player of the Week, I don't know who would be Big Sky Player of the Week over Larison. So, big big thing for Davis is the. Look, Davis feels like they're start. They're kind of getting it together uh, in in the second half of the season. Which, look, their their last three games, like they they got their ass kicked by Northern Arizona, which that's a bad loss, but that's as covered. But they killed Portland State a couple weeks ago, then beat Idaho State. That's how you have Davis sitting at six and four. Now, against Sac State, this is a must win game for Davis. If you look at overall resume objectively you'd have to say Sacramento state who we'll, we'll talk let's we'll talk about them a little bit more in a second but Sacramento state has more uh, good wins or potential playoff level wins than Davis has so this is must absolutely must win for Davis because if they win they'll they beat if they beat Sacramento state UC Davis and Sac state will tie at 7 and 4 at that point it'll be kind of a committee decision uh, but Davis has been a little bit hotter second half of the season. And if their resumes are kind of close, but Davis has the head to head over the two, if only one team gets in, then you, you would think the playoff committee would go with UC Davis. Now, the reason I say think is in the polls heading into this final week of the season, Davis, well, Davis is not ranked and Sacramento state is, was number nine and the, the Hornets picked up a win. So uh, there's obviously that huge pull advantage for Sacramento state over Davis Davis. If you're looking at, you know, head to head ranking, but if they're both seven and four, you know, it's a real question. And with how SAC has some momentum and sorry, not Davis has some momentum over these last few weeks and with, especially with Larson back and we'll we'll look, we'll just, we're just going to talk about Sacramento state now at the same time because they're playing each other. Um, Sacramento states they're they're in the midst of some turmoil turmoil uh Patty first brought up the idea of locker room issues I completely buy it look one of the big changes and this is look this is a tectonic type of shift relative to where we are relative to talking about the number nine team in the nation Sacramento State in that win over Cal Poly they benched quarterback Caden Bennett Bennett had had started the entire the entire season now um Carson Conklin had had gotten run in the previous couple weeks. Uh, those the the run that Conklin had in the last couple weeks include included essentially running the show for the overwhelming majority of that 51-16 win over Idaho State. And uh, now Patty, I would not quite say Idaho State broke Sac State. They, they won 51 to 16, which was your joke. I get it. Uh, but 
Conklin also saw time in that 34 to seven loss at Montana. And look in the, in the game against Montana, no quarterback looked good for Sacramento state. Uh, Conklin looked was better against Idaho state than Caden Bennett. That's why he got the, the run he did. Well, against Cal Poly, Carson Conklin goes 17 of 26 for 313 yards, three touchdowns and one pick. Uh, it Now, Conklin being in there does not give them the same dual threat that Caden Bennett did. But look, with Marcus Fulcher running back healthy for Sacramento State, now 20 carries for 121 yards. Then Elijah Tautoliver added nine carries for 99, 99 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, look, maybe... Maybe Andy Thompson now just feels more confident with a slightly more healthy running room, running room going to a more traditional pocket passer. And Carson Conklin is a better pure passer than Caden Bennett, uh, but the, it does change the look of what Sacramento State can do. It, you know, it does not give him that additional threat to, to have to get have the quarterback as a running threat. But if you look, Andy Thompson clearly has confidence in Conklin, and I I completely buy that there must be some. Uh, leadership issues on that team. I mean, truly Sacramento state completely imploded uh, against Montana. So it, it seems like that might be ramifications in that game. H- um, hard to extrapolate too much to Cal Poly defensively. They're an absolute catastrophe. Um, talk about passing defense because we're paying attention to Carson Conklin. Uh, Cal Poly has uh, on, they have given up 211 yards on the season, 60% completion percentage, 14 touchdowns, but that, you got to throw an asterisk. Cal Poly has given up the most passing touchdowns in the big sky, in big sky play, 14. But they've gotten their ass kicked so many games, teams don't have to pass that much against them. So I would not look at that 211 total yards as representative of what Cal Poly's defense is. It's not very good. And look, Conklin looked good against Cal Poly. A lot of quarterbacks look good against Cal Poly. But, I mean, to me, I I completely agree with Patty's, Patty's thought, which is why I keep bringing it up. There's no way you're switching quarterbacks this late in the game going to a true freshman if you are not, if there aren't some serious reservations um, about sticking with Caden Bennett or if there isn't something behind the scenes that because Sacramento reporting is not that great. I mean, Caden Bennett's a junior. He's been with the team quite a while. Uh, So to shift to a true freshman when your team is number nine in the nation, Caden Bennett had not been what you'd call bad on the year. That's a big shift. But the, for playoff implications, look, Sacramento State, I think, needs – they're going to finish no worse than 7-4 and four, no matter what. But I one, for their own sake, Sacramento State needs to pick up this win against Davis. Uh, it would be another okay win on their resume. The okay wins Sacramento State's resume includes. Uh, it's really – it's truly just two. Uh, the sexy win, of course, was beating Stanford in week three, 30-23. Uh, to 23. But that week one win over Nichols is a much better win uh, than you might guess. Uh, Because, look, Nichols right now, they're in line uh, to get the the auto bid from the Southland. So, you know, they're they're in first place overall in the Southland. So uh, that Nichols, again, they're not ranked. But I don't know, man. I mean, that's a potential playoff team based off an auto bid. That's certainly not a bad win on SAC schedule. So um, I don't think Sacramento state's really playing for a seed. They would need a ton of help and just eye test. I, I test. I don't think that you, you can view Sacramento state as a seed, just especially based off going zero and three in that round Robin against Montana, Montana state, Idaho, and kind of looking progressively worse with each game uh, from Idaho to Montana state, then to Montana. Uh, but look, it's a different look now at the pure passer. So Sacramento state is a different type of animal. The other implication for Sacramento state playoff wise is uh, another win makes them a, another good, a kind of solidifies them as a good win for Montana, Montana state and Idaho, which all those three teams have seeding aspirations uh, moving on now to our net, the, the next tier. And Hey, we, we have a kind of a second tier. I'm calling it tier one, a Idaho, Idaho goes down, 31-29 to Weber State. Um, very dis- I'm a Vandal. That was very disappointing to have to have the loss. The Vandals picked up at Weber State. Idaho 100% had chances to put that game away early and did not put Weber State away. And Weber State 
is a different and significantly better revitalized team with Richie Munoz. I'm also talking defensively. Weber State was never terrible defensively, but they had not been, you know, Jay Hill level good. But uh, the honestly, the having the life on the offensive side seems to be helping defensive effort out of Weber State too. So Idaho. Yeah, disappointing loss. Giovanni McCoy quarterback goes 33-51 for 346 yards and a touchdown. Uh, the what had been number two rusher in Big Sky play, Anthony Woods, sat out the game with injury, which meant Nick Romano was the lead running back for Idaho. 22 rushes for 84 yards and two touchdowns. Hayden Hatton had a wide receiver for the Vandals, had an All-American game, 14 catches, 175 yards and one touchdown. But hey, Vandals surrendered, uh, lose, lose, lose uh, two turnovers they're both fumbles uh fumbled by nick romano running back and fumbled by jermaine jackson wide receiver uh those are again part of the missed opportunities for the vandals that's to me is the story of that game so hey, idaho um they have to take care of business against idaho state uh to we're gonna hit thorough seating implications for vandals looking outside the big sky once we're done talking about montana montana state but Idaho's already picked up the good wins they can on the season with that FBS win over Nevada, wins over Sacramento State, as well as a win over Montana State. So those are kind of the three three good you know signature wins for the Vandals. Uh, there isn't a bad loss on the schedule, especially if Weber State holds on uh, and as they should and beats Cal Poly. That I mean the Vandals' losses were Cal Berkeley by fourteen, uh, Montana by two. That's like number two in the nation, Montana. And then Weber State by two. So two losses and two FCS losses by a combined total of four points. You have to assume that's not exactly going to be a heavy demerit against the Vandals, but the Vandals are also kind of playing their worst football last few weeks of the season. Absolutely have to have to get that win against Idaho State. And I think uh, for the Vandals specifically, getting a bye is going to just be essential for this team to get healthy. They, they just have less margin for error than Montana, Montana State, because X in year two, whereas Hauk is in year five or six, depending on how you count. Vegan is in year three, but he's, you know, he the Montana State rebuild began with Jeff Choate. So that's that program's in year five or six, depending on how you choose to count, of revitalizing itself. There's a reason why there's depth of those programs that Idaho does not have. Uh, last teams we're going to talk about, and they get to play each other in the Brawl of the Wild, which, hey, this is part of the devastating thing about Idaho's loss. It's Idaho. They're out of the conference championship picture. But, hey, th there's, going to be a de there's going to be a de facto conference championship game in the Brawl of the Wild in Missoula, Montana, when our number two Montana and the nation's number two takes on Big Sky Podcast number power ranking number one Montana State. Uh, playoff implications for sure, but like phase one, this is a rivalry game. So there's the whole pride thing and you're going to be bombarded online the entire week. If you are into big sky Twitter with brawl of the wild stuff. So I'm not going to hit the pride end too much. More going to talk about playoff uh, implications, which is to say whoever wins this game is going to finish the big sky season seven and one in conference play. Uh, pretty damn good. So, the winner for sure gets the auto bid. The winner for sure is going to get the conference championship rings. Um, but uh, no, look, this is actually, I'm going to talk now just to temper expectations a teeny bit, not trying to shit on everyone for this, but look, there's a reason FCS teams don't have conference championships. And there's a reason FCS commissioner commissioners do not advocate for conference championships. Uh, which is one there's the practicality of scheduling a conference championship game is not possible with the 11 game season. Cause you have the other teams, your conference who have to schedule. There's no notice for those whatsoever. Second, look, I, I got this directly from interviewing Tom Wistrasil at big sky media days a couple years ago. It is not in the competitive interest of a good conference, like the big sky or the Missouri Valley football conference or the, Hey, the colonial athletic association. I know there's something else, but I don't give a shit. Um, a conference championship game guarantees one of your two best teams is going to have a loss the last week of the season. It guarantees one of your two best teams is going to hurt their playoff resume and hurt their playoff seeding the last week of the season. This game is the perfect example of that because whoever wins is probably looking at a two or three seed. Patty first telling me it's the Coastal Athletic Association. I know I don't care. I'm going to keep calling, calling them a colonial. I don't care. Whoever wins the Montana-Montana State game is probably going to be a number two or three seed. And whoever loses, well, it, it kind of depends for Montana, Montana State, because look, for both teams, it would be a second FCS loss. Uh, Montana State's losses would be objectively overall better because 
well, actually, no, for Montana State, it'd be a third FCS loss, having lost to um, South Dakota State and Idaho. Both those games were, you know, single score games. And those two losses combined to fewer points than a touchdown. For Montana, it would be their second FCS loss. Uh, either, no matter what, <clears throat> um, yeah, thanks, Patty. Just got there too. <clears throat> the winner of this game is going to be like a two or three seed, and the loser should still be seeded. We're going to get to that in a second, but that's kind of the big stakes playoff wise. Uh, these guys have done the work that they can. Uh, we talked a little bit about the teams they've played that can, like, I don't know, add 0.001% quality to the resume. But the big deal here is whoever picks up a win picks up another very quality win on their resume. Um, Montana State, I think, needs it a little bit more than Montana. Because uh, honestly, the now Montana State has been just abusing opponents on the season. So I, I do not want to write that off. But on the season, the only good win for a fact that Montana State has is Sacramento State. They beat 42 to 30. Now, Weber State, if when Weber State finishes six and five, that might be thought of as like an okay win. Uh, with them finishing over 500, but that's it. So getting a second win, quality win for Montana State, I think is a pretty big deal. Now, Montana, they've already got, they have a few more quality wins uh, in, in that Montana beat Idaho and Montana beat Sacramento State. And hey, Davis is going to finish over 500. And if Davis wins and goes seven and four, you add UC Davis as a quality win to the Montana resume. So uh, that's, that's where those two teams are resume wise. The matchup itself that I'm going to pay attention to the most in this game, it look, it, this is brain dead. It is Montana State is the top rushing offense in the big sky, averaging 7.7 yards per carry, 24 touchdowns, and just under 300 yards per game in conference play. And the Grizz are easily the best rushing defense, having surrendered 82 yards per game on average so far in seven big sky outings, five total touchdowns, 2.8 yards per carry. This is strength on strength. And it's to me, it's going to be fun, just fun as hell. Look, Montana State rebounded from their loss at Idaho by annihilating NAU and Eastern Washington. So, hey, those guys look like they're fine. Montana, look, we all know the story of the Montana season, which is that once Clifton McDowell became quarterback, things have changed. You know, and that was uh, week five of the season against Idaho State. Uh, Montana has not lost since Clifton McDowell took over in the second week of Big Sky play. And the Grizz post, uh, look, they beat, they picked up their two, two of their good wins were close wins at Davis. Uh, the Grizz won 31 23, then at Idaho 23 21. Since that Idaho win, the Grizz have been walking through the through their opponents. It doesn't matter if it's a garbage team like Northern Colorado, if they beat 40 0, or a top 10 team, Sacramento State, who they beat 34 7, or then Portland State, they beat 34 10 this week. The Grizz are easily the hottest team in the big sky. But Montana State, look, I mean, their narrative is essentially going to be that they gave away the Idaho game. And minus that single game in Moscow, they've been murdering everyone just by playing the teams they can. So uh, I, I just got to say, and then Patty first saying in the comment section, talking about Montana leaning on the run has made the Grizz O-line good after looking horrible the first few weeks. I mean, that's, look, that's correct. And hey, Montana, you just heard me talk about Montana scores like this. Montana State on the conference season, they're the number six scoring team in the Big Sky, averaging 29. But if you look since Idaho, Montana's been averaging about 37 points per game. They scored 40, 34, and 34. So they've they've just been a different team since that Idaho win, which really seemed to that was a great that win itself was a great outing for the Grizz, but it seems that that win itself seemed to ignite something within Montana. So we're going to now shift to talking about seeding implications. And when I say that, I'll, I'm talking about the teams that if you're a big sky fan of these teams, there's some other conference opponent, other conference games that are taking place that will matter because the Montana, Montana state, Idaho are all hoping to get that seeding somewhere between two and eight. There's no prayer. Anyone's going to get the number one seed. South Dakota state has that on lockdown. But there's some other games you'll you'll want to pay attention to, some other teams you might be rooting for as a Big Sky fan. We're going to get to that right after we talk about Snake River Stampede Canadian Whiskey Show Sponsor. 
look, doesn't matter which Snake River you go with, can't go wrong. If you get a Snake River Stampede at $25.95 a fifth in Idaho State Liquor Stores or $45.95 a handle, the only size I buy in Idaho State Liquor Stores, one of the best quality to price ratio buys in the entire state. Double barrel finish, first little bourbon, Oloroso sherry casks. If you go with the 1915 small batch edition, which hey, that's that's you know, use that for celebrating. It's a couple years older than the Stampede. Its double barrel finish is first fill bourbon, then ex Canadian rye whiskey casks. You can't go wrong with either. If you haven't given Snake River a shot this year, you got to do it this week. So now, hey, other teams we're looking at. Hey, I'm using as my reference point Sam Herder's top 12 uh, as teams potentially competing for a seed because I'm recording this at 10 p.m. now, uh, Pacific time on Sunday, November 12th. FCS top 25 has not yet been published, so I'm working with what I can. So as far as seeding goes, say eight teams get first round buys and host. So look, there's the jury's in number one team in the nation right now. is going to be the number one seed, South Dakota State. There's 10 and 0 on the season, 7 and 0 in conference. Have a, about they have probably more quality wins than any team in the nation, just based off having that Montana State win plus some Missouri Valley team wins. Uh, look, they're they're hosting Missouri State, who sits at four and six on the season. So look, very little drama. South Dakota State needs to not face plants, and they're going to have uh, the number one seed. Montana, we just talked about, they have Montana State. So look, if Montana wins this, there's no way the Grizz are not the number two seed. If the Grizz lose, pay attention to some teams talked about in a second. Montana State sits at three. Their situation is the same. Montana State needs to, if they want to be for sure seeded, they need to pick up this win. They're probably safe if they lose, but it'd be a significant drop and the Bobcat hope is going to be to host as many possible playoff games up and up through at least the quarterfinals, maybe into the semis, a loss to Montana means uh, best case scenario for Montana state is probably hosting through the quarters than traveling for the semifinals. If Montana state makes it that far, by the way, ditto for Montana, Montana loss, probably you'd expect it probably drops them out of the top four, just because look, Montana, Montana state are playing whoever wins. That's going to move over the other. And then we have some other teams to pay attention to. Uh, probably the lightning rod team in this top 10 is Furman out of the Southern Conference. Furman is 9-1 and one on the season, 7-0 overall. They finished the year at 1-9 and nine Wofford. So, look, there's going to be no drama. Furman's going to finish 10-1 and one. Uh, out of the Southern Conference. Look, generally speaking, and the Kevin Marshall in the comment section going to probably getting ready to light me up in a second, just reputationally. Uh, Southern Conference strength of schedule, not what the big sky is. So uh, take, take that what you will. But there's no way Furman loses, which is to say one of the teams above Furman in Sam Herter's ranking for a fact is going to lose. So depending on how that game goes, you'd have to expect if whoever loses out of Montana, Montana State, they're probably dropping below Furman. Uh, number five team, and this is another team pay attention to uh, if you're Montana, Montana State, or now if you're Idaho too, because we're closing in on Idaho, who is who is number six in this ranking. South Dakota out of the Missouri Valley Football Conference, like they finished the year at Western Illinois. Western Illinois has no wins, so there will be no drama. South Dakota is going to finish nine and two with their only F- their only Missouri Valley Conference loss to South Dakota State. So it's a pr- pretty damn good resume. If you lose the brawl, of the wild, you're probably concerned that you're that you might drop below both Furman and South Dakota. Uh, don't. I don't think the committee is going to punish whoever loses that game too far, but I think that's honestly what you're looking at is if Montana or Montana state lose, you're looking at dropping the five or six Idaho sits at number six and Sam Herter's pool. Absolutely. The Vandals have to win uh, this week. If Vandals lose back-to-back games, face plant into the playoffs. Like the Vandals still should easily be in the playoffs, but no prayer of a seed. If they lose to three and seven on the season, the Idaho state, but for, but for the Vandals, like you, you got to be paying attention to that brawl game because if Mo- and and as a Vandal you got to be rooting for Montana right now because a Montana State loss and an Idaho win would drop Montana State to eight and three, which is what Idaho would finish at overall with a win over Idaho State. And Idaho State, I, Idaho in my mind has the better resume. They not only do they own the head-to-head win over Montana State, Montana State right now only has a quality win. 
So a loss to Montana and one single quality win, you would have to think the committee would be more than game to say, hey, Idaho, same record, head-to-head win, plus wins over three quality opponents right now. Um, yeah, that team looks like they they should easily they could easily vault over Montana State should Montana State lose, which if Montana State lose loses, maybe Idaho is in play to stay as high as number six or at or I, I don't I don't trust Idaho to sneak in at number five because we'll, we'll talk about some teams below Idaho right now. But hey, it, Montana State loses Idaho wins six for Idaho sounds like it's okay. Now if Montana State wins, uh, you know Montana shouldn't probably shouldn't drop below Idaho, which would mean Idaho would be probably looking at that seven to eight seed as their ceiling. I'm again, I'll, I'll tell you in a second why I don't think six is a ceiling. Another a CAA team to pay attention to below Idaho number seven. Delaware. And look, this is why I say this is okay. Hey, Kevin Marshall comment section for has three top 25 wins, one top 10 win only lost to South, South Carolina Gamecocks. Kevin, I'm really glad you're here. You cover this. The, you cover the SOCON significantly better than I do. I feel that I'm not wrong in saying like the big sky reputation of Furman is to say they have, they don't have a strength of schedule that is very good. But uh, that doesn't mean that's the big sky rep. That that doesn't mean that big sky analysis is correct. Uh, full disclosure, guys, if you want to know about SoCon football, listen to Kevin above me. So I'm going to co-sign Kevin here saying, hey, if uh, when Furman finishes undefeated in, in FCS play, uh, top four seed is absolutely legit and should be where, where that team is understood as. Now, look, we got to talk about Delaware out of the CAA. Delaware sits at eight and two, six and one in conference play. Delaware is hosting Villanova, who is number 12 on this list, who sits at eight and two, six and one in conference play. Now, if you're a Vandal, and by the way, maybe if you're a Bobcat too, this is one of the reasons why I'm a little bit concerned about a loss from Montana State dropping them a little bit further than, than you might guess. And also why I'm concerned, I, I'm not yet sold on Idaho being able to sneak in at number six, but maybe seven or eight, is if Delaware beats Villanova, that is an objective beating a top 12 team is objectively a quality win, which is to say Delaware picks up a win against Villanova that as that team finishes nine and two already ranked right near Idaho and picks up a top 12 win. I, I don't, I wouldn't be shocked whatsoever if that bumps Delaware above an Idaho or maybe even above a Montana state were Montana state to lose to Montana in the brawl which would be in that five or six region, which would push in Idaho. So I'll focus on Idaho now a little bit more. That's why I think Idaho is maybe seven or eight is more real. That's more realistically what the Vandals are looking at. But a few more teams to pay attention to. Number eight right now in Sam Herger's poll is, is U Albany, again, out of the CAA. They sit at eight and three, six and one overall. They're going to finish the year at Monmouth. Not a big deal. Monmouth is four and six. So Albany should not really struggle with this game whatsoever if we simply use the sam herder ranking of one through eight i would now be done talking about the teams who uh, potentially could be seated i want to talk about the others uh, just a few down to 12 because they're some of these these teams depending on how the top eight games go and look the the flip side of this coin applies to delaware delaware is playing a top 12 team they absolutely could pick up a loss which would help idaho um Sacramento State, number nine. We already talked about them at Davis. Uh, I I think Sacramento State really needs a ton of help uh, if they're gonna if they're gonna be seated based off having based off the schedule they have. Um, but hey, finishing if Sac State finishes at eight and three, and there's a slew of eight and three teams to sort through. They have a Big Sky schedule. They've got an FBS win. They also have a win over Nichols, who is going who looks like they're going to have. <laughs> Um, have the auto bid out of the Southland conference. That means something um, North Dakota state since number 10, they host, they're going to travel to Northern Iowa. North Dakota state is seven and three overall four and three in, in Missouri Valley play Northern Iowa, six and four overall, but five and two in Missouri Valley play. This is, this to me feels like a de facto playoff game for Northern Iowa. Cause if you're, if they win, You'd expect Northern Iowa is going to sneak in. The Panthers seem to always get in no matter what at seven and four, six and five, but closing out the year with a win over North Dakota state would be a quality win. But then for a North Dakota state team, they could be another team that finishes eight and three on the season, picking up a quality win 
at, or, or well, I don't know if, if you'd still call it a quality win, but like a, a pretty good win at Northern Iowa to close the season. That could just, that would most certainly justify having that team bump up a spot or two if some teams above them lose. And you also know, just based off the seeding from last season, I know the committee has their metrics they use and there's their debate and all that, but like, Hey, these are people reputation seemed to matter in last year's bracket. So North Dakota state, you have to think if there's a chance North Dakota state can sneak into an eight seed, some committee members are probably going to give them a chance to do that, which is say if teams above them need to take care of business. If they don't, that's how we start to get that chaos. Um, last couple teams pay attention to North Carolina Central, who had been ranked a bit higher before getting murdered by Howard. Now the MIAC conference, uh, they are gonna they are hosting um, Delaware State in their final final game of the season. Uh, North Carolina Central sits at eight and two overall, three and one in conference play. Delaware State is terrible, at one and nine. Probably no drama there for North Carolina Central. And then Villanova, as we talked about earlier, they're also eight and two. So Villanova finishes eight and two. If they finish the year picking up a win on Delaware, that could justify vaulting that team up, maybe even as high as that eight spot. Uh, I know less about playoff brackets than guys like Kevin Marshall, if he's still around the show, but just looking at quality wins, just looking at total wins, looking at the conference uh, that you got to think that's at least potentially on the table for a team like Villanova, if they pick up a win and if other teams above them pick up losses, like hey, let's say Idaho, if Idaho face plants in the season, or if Sacramento state, loses at Davis that helps that team vault. So to, to make this very simple, if you're Montana, you 100% control your destiny, pick up the win. If Montana happens to lose, they're probably not going to get a ton of help in the teams right next to them in Furman, South Dakota, or maybe even Idaho right now. So that's, that's, that's it for the Grizzlies. You need to win and that's it. If you lose, you're probably, none of the teams right next year are probably going to help you out too much. But if you sit at around two right now, a loss to a, a potential number three Montana state right now, shouldn't hurt too much. If you're Montana state, again, take care of business. You're probably number two or number three seed. If Montana state beats Montana, I could understand Furman potentially being ranked above Montana state based off that resume Kevin Marshall referenced. But so for Montana state, again, you're not going to get help from Furman who's out of one and nine Lawford. You're not going to get help from South Dakota and Owen 10 Western Illinois. Um, if you're Montana state, you probably want Idaho to pick up that win. So that two point loss uh, is just, again, it's a very high quality two point loss. Now, as far as uh, Delaware and Villanova, I think Idaho fans and Montana state fans are in the same place. Um, you probably are rooting for Delaware to lose against Villanova to, to help your potential chances of being higher up in the seed. Um, I am 1% anxious that a narrow Villanova win over Delaware could vault Villanova a little bit and then barely move Delaware down. So I guess that that's the concern. So I guess there's two ways to understand it. You might want, you could root for Delaware to win saying you want just Villanova out of the seeding discussion whatsoever, or you want Villanova to pull off the, the kind of upset and knock, a get, just give another loss to a team who's in that slew of somewhere between three and eight, meaning they should be moving down. If you pick up a win or if you're Montana state, a narrow loss, someone else below you picked up a loss and that keeps you above them comparatively. Uh, Patty Ferguson comment saying section saying uh, North Carolina central is just hoping to make the field, let alone a seed. Oh, you're right. And I think that loss to Howard probably wrote off any sort of chance of North Carolina central getting any sort of seed, but Hey, we're, we're keeping this big sky focus. Ron Lowney in the comment section saying we are only focused on being the Grizz, not anyone else. Well, Hey Ron, for sure. That's the focus. But once that game's over, you're going to be seated somewhere. The point of this is to talk to is to make sure you guys know what teams you should be rooting for. And then the Idaho end, the only wrinkle I'd add to Idaho is, oh, and hey, big, uh, if you're Montana, Montana State, you're rooting for Sac. You, here, if you're Montana State, you're for sure rooting for Sacramento State to win. So that stays, that win over Sac State seems a little more impressive. If you're Montana, I think you're probably, you should be rooting for UC Davis so that you have two potential playoff wins that you're, that you're looking at as uh, as part of your resume because a UC Davis win would push them to seven and four. Um, I 
think the Grizz having two pretty good wins on the resume would be more helpful than having just one, you know, win over the eight and three team. But I maybe I'm a moron. Idaho Vandals have to be rooting for Montana because a Montana loss is still going to keep Montana above Idaho pro- overall, uh, probably based off the head-to-head and very similar resumes. But a Montana State loss. I think could put, it could push Montana State below Idaho for seeding purposes. So, hey, Vandals, you're all Grizz fans this week. Minus uh, the Montana-Montana State game. If you're a Vandal fan, you are for sure rooting for Sacramento State, having not played Davis because you want Sac State to stay in that top 10 level because that makes it a top 10 win. And then we have the Delaware question of Delaware-Villanova. Um so to me, I just don't think the Vandals are going to be have any prayer at being seeded five or above because the only team who can move out of there is Montana State. Uh, and I, I don't think I, I think a competitive game for Montana State against Montana would probably not knock the Bobcats that far down. But maybe but maybe because so, again, if you're a Vandal, you have to root for Montana over Montana State this week. Um, but otherwise, the see Delaware Villanova. I guess I don't, if you're a Vandal, maybe you need to root for Villanova because I don't think Villanova, if Idaho wins, is would be vaulting above Idaho for seeding purposes. But I wouldn't be shocked right now if the season ended today, if Delaware at eight and two instead of seven and three Idaho would be seeded above Idaho. So if you're Idaho, you got to hope Delaware picks up that third loss. And that's another team that you're rated very close to going down which means as a vandal comparatively you may be going up so that's what to me what you're paying attention to and if no matter what big sky teams i'm saying this unanimously big sky teams should be rooting for northern iowa because i i truly believe there is a chance if the committee has any excuse whatsoever to rank north dakota state a little bit higher than they should they're going to so if you're a big sky fan root for north dakota state to pick up a loss ron lowney's saying you have analysis paralysis well dude the point of the show is talking about the games but uh appreciate always appreciate everyone in the comment section for sure um ron lowney is hardcore on montana state saying we intend to be whomever we play whenever we play them that's of course uh, i mean that's what everyone does but again every the montana state is going to need some potential help uh to to make sure that they get as good a seat as possible. Idaho for a fact needs some help uh, to for sure sneak into that six, seven, eight seed. Well, I mean, maybe they don't for a fact. I think Idaho wins, even if Montana or regards to Montana, Montana state, I think Idaho has a very reasonable shot at a seven or eight or even a six seed, but a Delaware loss would let me breathe a little bit easier. Patty first, potentially three to four, three lost teams. in The seed conversation is amazing. This year has been straight chaos. No, dude, it absolutely has been. So I feel like I put a button on the T on what teams as a big sky fan, you should be paying attention to. But again, just to state them quickly, if you're a big sky fan, you're, you're paying attention to Montana, Montana state, uh, disregard from in South Dakota because those are going to be easy wins. Uh, if you're an Idaho fan, you're paying attention to Idaho, Idaho State. Then you're paying attention to Delaware, Villanova as a realistic, as a game that has seeding implications for you. Uh, Albany, Monmouth, yeah, pay attention, but Albany should walk over Monmouth. And then hey, the Sac State, Sac State, Davis, and then finally North Dakota State, Northern Iowa. Those are all teams I think is worth paying attention to on ESPN, seeing, um, seeing where your team fits. And also just, again, the playoffs are fun guys. If your team's there uh, and if you're a big sky fan, I, I don't know how many big sky fans are like me during the playoffs. When Idaho was not making the playoffs, I still would watch big sky playoff games because I like big sky football. That's the football I care about the most. That's why I'm recording this at 10 20 uh, PM on a Sunday night. Uh, when I wake up for work at five, but uh, anyway, guys, that's the, Hey, that's your big sky podcast network playoff preview. You might say uh, this was, Got to tell you too about show sponsor Hughes River Expedition. Look, if you have ever considered going on a river trip, you want to see some rapids, you want to see some nature you're not going to see otherwise. You want to see parts of the country you don't get to see otherwise, like the Middle Fork of the Salmon, the Main Salmon River, No Return, or the Salmon River Canyons. Get a hold of Colin. You're gonna see. You're gonna get a camp on pristine beaches. You're gonna get to see white water and and also run on white white water. Get that heart rate up hike scenic trails, spot wildlife. You're gonna have essentially doesn't matter if you're a large group or just a family. You go on one of these trips, these all-inclusive trips, so truly just get yourself there. Hughes River takes care of the rest. You're going to be talking about this for for the rest of your life. So get a hold of Colin. 
Call them at 800-262-1882 or check them out at HughesRiver.com. So, Patty, got a blast. Thank you for, for tuning in, Patty. You're our unofficial uh, co-host in the comment section. Crewhead76 saying, do your thing. Don't worry about it, Ron. I'm not, man. Just in the playoffs. But thank you, Crewhead76. Um, I support the show, patreon.com backslash Tubbs of the Club. If you're a Vandal fan, you get to join the hashtag only Tubbs Discord. Also, hey, non-Vandal fans, you're sure as hell welcome too. Uh, but hey, uh, if you like me doing the Pigsty podcast number power rankings covering the whole conference, if you like our two Vandal-centric episodes a week during football season, a pregame and a postgame, if you like us following during basketball season to give you guys some Big Sky coverage, that I mean, honestly, once the football season ends, you have Colton Juanes at ESPN Missoula who does kick-ass work. But other than that, you're not really getting any coverage of Big Sky stuff. So Tubbs, uh, Tubbs fills a lot of gaps. Support the show. Cost two fifty a month at the minimum. We love people who can do more than two fifty a month, but two fifty a month you get to be part of the Patreon. Uh, lastly, hit that subscribe button. The mo- more subscribers we get, the more likely YouTube may have to pay us some pennies in the future. Thanks for tuning in tonight, guys. Glad I can't believe. Look, we have one more of these episodes left. Probably, I think I'm going to do my best next week to talk about uh, potential All Big Sky teams. Uh, we playoff bracket will be announced by the time I'm talking. Uh, but with that said. We're going to call it a night. Thanks to everyone who's able to tune in. Thanks to people who keep in the comment section lively as it is with no notice. We still got 15 live viewers. Thank you to every one of you. And until next time, go Vandals. Uh-huh.